Amen. Thank you, Claire. Just add my welcome to you all and a happy new year to you. Oh my, I've been here a year and a half. Happy new year, guys. Happy new year. Happy new year. Uh, what a year it's going to be. If you were here last Sunday or if you were here on Wednesday, you'll have heard me talking about the potential that 2017 has to be the best year yet if if we can get our priorities right and put him first, and if we can get his vision for our lives. In this building, we've been celebrating God's provision for about 100 years in this old space, this old big barn that we've got. It's seen 105 years of witnessing to God's good news, his great love for us here. But if we only focus on the past our vision of the future can become blurred. My dream is that in 100 years from now, people will still be celebrating that the gospel is being taken from this place, the good news that Jesus Christ came for us and he has given us brand new life. And we just thank you, Sonia, for that testimony of the way that Jesus has radically transformed your mum's life in his love and his power this morning. And I want to see that happen for the next 100 years. Boy, I'd be happy if in a year from now I'm standing here and people are saying the good news is still being sent out from that church. Do you have a vision for what God wants you to do? Do you want to have a vision for what God wants you to do? I think there are many people here who probably think that vision is only something that chief execs have or maybe presidents or prime ministers or pastors or vicars. But that's not true. God can and does use people from all walks of life and can and does give them a vision for the future. A vision to accomplish something for him, to bring glory to him. That's why we're here. We're not here to glorify this church, St Saviour's, but to glorify God. Our God-given vision for this church is... That's not bad. Our God-given vision for this church is... That's even better. I have been thinking a lot lately about the vision and the future of this church. I like to ponder as I walk the 10 yards it is between my house and the back of church or the office, as it were. In fact, I bet there are many people here who have a vision, who dream about what our church could be like in the future. Now, vision is a, a, the ability to see a preferred future than what it is now. It's to see things differently, to see things better than they currently are. And a vision, I believe, can only really be accomplished by God. You don't, in yourselves, we don't have the power to do it ourselves. God must be active in achieving the vision that he's given us here. In fact, He is also the one who gives it to us. He's the one who gives you vision. We're going to be looking at the story of Nehemiah over the next few weeks. And it's God who gave Nehemiah the vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which were so broken. Please do uh, grab your Bibles as I uh, begin to pray. Father, thank you for your vision. 
Thank you for your provision. We pray this morning, Lord, that we would see what that vision is. We would see your preferred future. That you would stir our hearts to see what can be. Amen. So we're on page 484 of our church Bibles, which are NIV, New International Versions. It's uh, in the Older Testament part of the Bible. It's after Ezra, before Esther, page 484. Do have a look as we read some of chapter 1 and over the next few weeks, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. So uh, maybe take it home if you uh, have a Bible at home, wonderful. If you haven't, I'd love to let you have one of our Bibles. Um, Have a read of Nehemiah, have a read of the story we're going to be getting into in the next few weeks. Okay, page 484. So this is a visionary uh, prayer that is given to to Nehemiah. The first thing I want us to see is that in chapter 1, 1 to 4, he has a passion for the people of Israel. Jerusalem is broken down. The walls of the city, this great city, have been broken down for a number of years. And Nehemiah has this passion for the people of Israel. It says, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Number four, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept, Nehemiah says. He has a passion for the people of Israel. He cares about them. He cared about the state they found themselves in. He cared about their ongoing survival, their future. When he found out they were in trouble and in disgrace, he sat down and wept. I believe that Nehemiah's passion was given by God. I wonder if you've ever had a passion for something. You've seen something or seen someone that you know could be different. You not only knew that they or the situation could be different, but it bothered you. It troubled you. I wonder what it is that breaks your heart. What is it you see that breaks your heart? Maybe it's the people that we work with through our food bank. Maybe it's those broken people, those people that find themselves without enough money to put food on the table. And the food bank work is good. It's very good. But we want to get, the church is very good at standing in this stream of water, catching people who are in this stream, struggling, gasping for breath, and hauling them out and putting them on the side. And that's what we're doing with the food bank. But what we're not so good at is going back upstream and finding out who it is who's throwing them in in the first place. And we want to do that as a church, to be radically transforming lives. We're going to have to get back upstream, find out who it is who's throwing them in in the first place to transform their lives. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's for the people that are caught in domestic violence. Maybe this morning God's placing something on your heart for those people caught in domestic violence. I've already had a conversation with someone this morning about that. Maybe it's teenage girls in unplanned, unwanted pregnancies. Maybe it's the young people of our town. Maybe it's for single mums. Maybe it's for our young people. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's the seniors. Maybe it's just your friends and your neighbours who don't yet know Jesus. God is placing something on your heart, I know. You see a situation that you know, a someone that you know should be different. And it bothers you that it isn't. Don't ignore that burden. Don't push it to one side. That's the beginning of God putting a vision of a preferred future 
in your heart and in your mind. The beginning is vital and how you respond will not only affect the situation, but it will profoundly affect you too. One of the visions I believe that God has given me and us for this church is to see it rebuilt. So our church has got to a point where it is no longer fit for purpose. One of the things that it, uh, a church has to do in a vacancy when the vicar has, previous vicar has left is they produce a parish profile and that parish profile was produced probably about two years ago, maybe two and a half. And in it, it screamed, we need more space. We cannot cope with the amount of people, kids, youth, etc., that we have at the moment. I wonder if there's a, a few pictures. This building has never actually ever been completed. For a hundred years, this building has been unfinished. That, I know many of you don't get round the back, that is the picture of the back of the church. That corrugated stuff that you can see was put there as a temporary fixture, I think a hundred years ago, <laughs> with the intent of building another chapel on the side, same as this side. It's unfinished. That's the, that's the toilets. <laughs> it's pretty grim, isn't it? That's, um, that's a bit of Budlier growing out of the, one of the walls as well. If anyone's got a ladder tall enough to get up there, it'd be great. Um, but it's unfinished. Another shot, please. That's the other side. That's the asbestos roof that's in the, That's the warning sign just on the window that it's an asbestos roof and it's not in good state of repair. But that's the back of our church. It's unfinished. And um, the survey that we did when I first arrived said we need more space for our kids. And we need more space. Have we got another picture? So this, this is a, what is a community room. This is where our young people are, are situated right at the moment. Hey, young people, are you all right, are you all right in there? No! Wow, they don't seem satisfied. Okay, next slide. That, that in theory, is my office but I don't use it as an office because uh, our kids, we cram up to 35 7 to 11 year olds in a space which is essentially a, a lounge, a nice comfortable lounge, but a lounge all the same. So often there are 35 kids crammed in that space with leaders, 7 to 11 year olds. Imagine how bouncy they are. What's the next slide? Uh, that is where we fit our mini church in at the moment. That's the church office. That desk in the far right-hand corner is actually my desk. Uh, and there's Jim counting some money. So we use that. Claire uses that for all of the food bank and restore, our restore project. We have our staff team meetings in there. That is what we then turn into a kid's space every weekend and then back again into an office. Any more pictures? Um, that's one of our toilets. It's clean. It's just dirty. Next one. That's the kitchen where we kind of prepare meals for the 90 people that turn up for our community lunch every week. Or if we're going to cook a Christmas lunch, that's where we would cook it in. That's the facility that we've got to, to cook, or one of our kitchens. Is there anything more? Oh, yeah, that's, the to that's just a picture of behind the screen there. That just shows the total lack of storage that we've got as well. 
And the next one, I don't think there's anything else. Oh, yeah. That is a little bit dark. I should have had the flash on. That's where we store all the food for the food bank. Can you see how crammed it is? Can you see that there is food? I mean, it's amazing because of God's provision. But there is food everywhere. Our burgeoning work of the food bank. Um, yeah, thank you. I don't think there's any more. No, I think that's probably it. Good. Okay, there's a problem here. There is a problem here, and we just can't leave it like that anymore. So let's have a look. Page 484, what did Nehemiah do? How did he respond to rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem? 1-4, it says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He knew the problem was way too big for him. He went to the one who knew and he knew could take care of the situation, and he prayed. I believe there are some important things that we're going to learn from the way Nehemiah faced the rebuilding of the walls for our project and for anything that might be burdening us today. We can pray like Nehemiah did. And I encourage you to do that over the next few weeks for when we come back with the architects on the 5th of Feb, three, four Sundays time, and we show you what could be. So that's the 5th of Feb. Put that date in your diary. That is not an excuse to not turn up between now and the 5th of February. That's just to put it in your diary. The first thing we see is that he recognises God for who he is. Nehemiah 1.5 says this, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. I believe one of the essential elements of effective visionary prayer is first, give glory to God. First, recognise God for who he is. That will give us perspective when we pray. Help us to understand we're not just inciting some words. It's not just an incantation like open sesame or abracadabra or shut up vicar. It's not our words. It's not our words that have the power in these situations. But it is our God who has the power to radically transform lives in the love and the power that he has. When we pray, we need to recognise God for who he is, almighty, all-powerful, keeper of his promises. When we do that, it puts us in the mindset of recognising that we're praying to a God who really can help us in a time of concern or burden or with our situation, like completing an unfinished building which has stood here for over 100 years. He goes on, he remembers God's promises, Nehemiah 1, 8 to 10. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the places I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. This is Nehemiah reminding God. But God doesn't forget about his promises. He's not saying to Nehemiah, oh, 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 thanks Nehemiah for reminding me about the promises I made to keep my covenant with my people. But he does like it when we know what his promises are and when we share them with him in prayer. When we do that, it means that we're trusting God to be true to his promises, to be faithful. When we know what God's promises are and his will, we're better able to consistently and effectively pray. Pray. There are things that we know about God that are true about God because you can read all about them here in this book. 
And if you don't have one of these, I really do want to get one of these into your hand at the end of this service. It's not a problem, just come and see me. I've got plenty to give, please. Here are some of the things that we might pick up about God if we read this. God has a heart and a concern for the poor. Jesus said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He has a concern for widows and orphans. Deuteronomy 10, 18-19 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. He has a passion for seniors. Leviticus 19 says, Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. He has a passion for his church. Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Remember the promises of God in this book, in prayer, what he says in his word. He is faithful. Finally, we see in Nehemiah's visionary prayer that he requests specific help as well. If you read 1.11, it says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. If God has burdened you for something, he has placed something on your heart, a passion, and you sense you have a vision for how it could be better, how it should be better than it currently is, then continue to pray, be thinking about how God could use you, and ask God specifically. Ask for some specifics. How, when, who, where. For at least three, possibly four months, he's been praying and fasting and thinking and God has been working in Nehemiah's heart to show him that he, Nehemiah, is the one who is going to complete this work. I've been considering and praying about our problem for over 18 months. It's 18 months since we arrived. When I first saw it in that parish profile, I began to pray about what God was going to show us and how he was going to bring it to completion. And I know as a church, we've been looking at it for much longer than that, this building problem. The time for action has come. There is quite a lack of space here. If we had more space, we could do more ministry. If we could better minister to people, God would be greater glorified. His church would grow. More people would come into the kingdom. I wonder if you just flash up the pictures just once more for me. So that's the unfinished part of the building. That's the, that's the toilets. Oh, that's the waste pipe just to the side. Let's hope that doesn't break. That never went underground far enough. Um, what else have we got? That's it, yeah. Be careful on that path as well. That's pretty tricky. That's where some of our more, less able people come in as well. That path's not great. Thank you. That's where our... <laughs> hey, oh my word. Hey, young people, you all right in there? No! <laughs> Still the same problem. That's where our kids meet, 35 of our... Most 
exuberant kids. That's where the, some of the smaller kids meet in our church office. That's the toilets. We can never get that radiator to look white, no matter how many times we paint it, right? That's just some of the storage problem, and that's one of our kitchens. That oven doesn't work. That's where we're keeping our food at the moment. We can't stay here anymore. It is unthinkable. It is unimaginable. You can see the trouble we're in. We have to move from here to there. Some of the things that you're going to see, and it's not finalised yet, but some of the things that you're going to see is dedicated, when we have the plans, dedicated kids and youth space. A proper commercial kitchen with a working oven and everything. A new cafe area at the front of church, outside church. A new cafe area welcoming people in and reaching out to those people stood right just there. I can see them now at that bus stop. That man is being called by God right now. Look, have turn around and have a look at him, wave. <laughs> there are dozens of people every day stood right outside our door waiting for us to take the good news to them. We're going to put in a special sensory room for children so we can be an inclusive church. We're going to have dedicated 24-7 prayer space, a prayer chapel. We're going to increase the space we have for our food bank and our restore project. And who knows where we're going to go with that. Maybe it's drug and alcohol rehab. Maybe we're going to go back up the stream and start yanking some of these people out and stopping them from being thrown in in the first place. The last thing that I want you to think about for Nehemiah this week is he doesn't let his position hinder him. He's a cupbearer, and if you come tonight, you'll find out a little bit more about what a cupbearer was. But in our lives, we can have things that God places on our hearts that we just continue to make excuses for day by day. It needs to be someone else. It can't be me. Moses is very good at this. If you read the story of Moses, he kind of says, here I am, Lord, send my brother Aaron. We do that. It's too big for me. I have other responsibilities. I'm not equipped to do that. It would take too much of my time. I don't speak well. I'm not good in front of others. And on and on we could go. If God is laying something on your heart, he will equip you to do it. He will give you the means to carry it out. I will tell you, as, uh, as I came to take on the role of lead pastor here, the vicar at St. Saviour's, I had a few apprehensions, but I knew and believed this. We both knew and believed this. And it's as true today as it was then. That God was calling us here to St. Saviour's to complete his vision. I got asked when I first arrived by the life group leaders how long I was going to stay at St. Saviour's. <laughs> that wasn't a positive question, was it really? How long are you going to be hanging around? And I said, if, if I'm, I'm no doubt going to be loving it here. Um, if I'm obedient enough, it will be when God says, you have done what I called you there to do. When you have fulfilled the vision that God has given you. 
God was calling us here. And as I prayed about it, I prayed that he would just open up the doors, and he did. Some of you will know that as a family, we came and visited. And before we came, we each said, the four of us, there's four of us in our family, me, Ro, uh, Bella, who's in youth there, and Woody, actually, who's just transitioned to youth this week. We prayed and we said, what is, God, what do you need to show us in order for us to know that St. Saviour's is the place that you're calling us to? And I know Ro um, prayed for a welcoming church and I know she's been touched and if you're on social media, you'll know that we've faced our own struggles in the last week or so. Ro has been incredibly touched by your welcome, by your hospitality, by your love. We have that in spades here. And I prayed for the presence of God. All I need in a church to begin with is the presence of God. And this place had the presence of God. When I came and visited and joined in with one of your worship services, I had a vision of Jesus walking straight through the church. He walked through the middle of our worship and the spirit of God hovering over this building. It's why many of you, maybe if you see me when I'm in the middle of our sung worship, I'll be looking up there. Woody said, Woody said I'd like a... F- a football pitch in the garden. I said, son, it's the suburbs. They don't really do football pitches in gardens. If you've been in the vicarage, you'll know that there is a -a five-a-side football pitch in our back garden, pretty much. And Bella, being a teenager, um, she was not so keen on moving at that particular point. So she said she would like to see a pink pony. She said, if God can provide me with a pink pony, I'll know it's the place he's calling us to. Well, we had our walk around. We saw the vicarage. We saw the garden. We experienced the welcome and the presence of God. And we were close to leaving. And Bella was thinking, ha ha, I haven't seen my pink pony. And somebody randomly said, why don't you come and have a look at the toy cupboard, the storage of all of the stuff that happens here during the week, the the toddler groups and other things like that, and toy library. It's all stored behind those screens there. And we went in and had a look. And what do you think we saw right on top of the pile? great big ride-on pink pony. Her mouth dropped to the floor. God hasn't made me the leader here to pontificate on the vision he has given me. And I've been here 18 months already. I've not been made the leader to preside over something and keep the status quo, to keep it static. We are a movement. Movements cannot turn into monuments. Monuments into museums. Museums become mausoleums. We are a movement of God. I've been made the leader here to move it from there to there. From here to there. And we'll see that in a few weeks where the there is. The good news is that God is working in this, his church. Don't just go through life the next few weeks, this year, without seeing what it is that God wants you to do. What part it is for you to play in making his vision a reality. God, God is working in this, his church. Amen. I wonder if we might just um, take a moment just to pray.
Um, if you're a guest or a visitor here, you, please don't feel compelled to move, that you don't have to move at all if you don't want to. But I, I would love as a sign of your commitment to seeing the vision, his vision for this church reach this year. I would love you to stand if you feel that you want to add and contribute and participate to the vision that God has given us here, the overall vision to radically transform lives in the love and power of Jesus. If you want to be a part of that, I would encourage you to stand now. Maybe if you're standing at the moment, Father, we thank you for your provision, provision, your vision, your preferred future that you don't just see us as we are. You love us just as we are, but you also don't want to leave us where we are. You see a preferred future for us, each one of us, every single individual gathered in here right now. Your vision is to radically transform us in the love and the power of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. We pray you would be stirring our hearts, Lord, that we might be participators in the building of your kingdom here. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. A passion for your name. just going to wait just for a moment just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you to stir your heart to bring certain things to your mind the things that you've seen in the past year the things you've read seen on the news in your community the things that you say no this needs to change this needs to be different Spirit.